0: How do you help someone tell their spouse that they have secretly been viewing pornography? Wow, these are tough situations. Thankfully, one of my favorite and most effective therapists, Jeff Struer, put together a presentation about disclosing betrayal. Jeff explains how disclosing betrayal can make recovery and repentance so much more difficult if it isn't handled correctly. This isn't a rip the bandaid off quickly type of situation. With a better understanding of betrayal, church leaders can be a strong resource in helping couples navigate the awful effects of pornography usage. You can watch Jeff's entire presentation at no cost in the Liberating Saints virtual library. Simply go to leadingsaints.org slash 14, and you can sign up for 14 days of free access to Jeff's presentation and the entire library. It's one of my favorite interviews. Hey, if you're a newbie to Leading Saints, it's important that you know, what is this Leading Saints thing? Well, Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And the way we do that is through content creation. So we have this phenomenal podcast, we have a newsletter, we have virtual conferences, so much more. Articles on our website, I mean, I could go on and on, right? (laughs) And we encourage you to uh, jump in, check out Leading Saints, uh, go to the search bar at LeadingSaints.org and type in some topics and see what pops up. We're just glad you're here to join us. Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. Today, I'm welcoming in Kyle Turner. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Now, you teach pharmacy... At the University of Utah, I do. To the medical students, uh, yeah. Or well, are they going to become pharmacists themselves? Yeah,
1: going to become pharmacists.
2: Nice.
0: Yep. And you're in a bishopric. I am. And but you also deal with a lot of healthcare leadership development. Like, how did how'd you get
1: into that? Yeah. So about ten years ago, while I was a student, I actually had a faculty member basically ask me, like, "Do you want a free trip to Boston?" <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, right." I was a nice. pharmacy student. That sounded good, but I ended up going to a leadership summit. And it was it was really amazing. It was actually based in storytelling, so in narrative, and how that's a leadership skill. And that was sort of the kind of ignited that this idea that, oh, we need to be good leaders. We need mm-hmm. leadership development. And healthcare is like full of opportunities to lead. There's lots <laughs> of broken things in healthcare. And yeah. so uh, that planted the seed. Uh, as a resident in Minnesota, I had a program based in leadership that I loved. And I've just sort of stuck with it. And I actually, I love it more than than pharmacy, right? I don't actually do a lot of pharmacy. I spend a lot of my time in how do teams work together? How do we yeah. develop leaders, self-awareness? That's cool. So, was this like
0: conference that. you went to in Boston, was it a for like uh, healthcare professionals? Yeah, it was okay.
1: me and then an, as a pharmacy student in a whole room of medical students. Nice. And I was like, oh, what am I doing here? And they kept asking the same thing. Like, why are you here? Yeah. But yeah, that just the idea that... You know, how do you lead change and mm-hmm. how do we use our stories to help us
0: yeah. to do that? So we're going to talk about as far as relational leadership is sort of the
1: concept that is it your the portion like how, how, where did this concept come from? That conference actually was led by a group called Intent Health Strategies. So that's it's a nonprofit. We spend a lot of our time doing trainings either with individuals or teams. And so how do you help a team function better? So they put that conference on. And I was sort of like the, you know, the leech. I never left, right? I just <laughs> kind of, I worked with him as a student, as a resident. And now in my regular job, I actually get to bring that into my day job, which nice. is really
0: fun. So relational leadership is also tied into this concept of a, a narrative, having a, a, telling stories and, and focusing on a narrative in leadership. Like maybe
1: where's a good launching yeah. off? Yeah. Let me, that? let me draw the connection. So relational leadership is all about harnessing our connections as people, to then go and do whatever change work needs to be done. But it's really the idea, I kind of phrase it as a focus on the who and the why, as much as the what and the how. And I feel like in leadership development, there's a lot about the what and the how. Yeah. But you start a foundation of who am I, who are you, where do we connect? And then narrative is one of the things that we teach as part of that framework.
0: Yeah. So I I see this a lot like just my work with Leading Saints where People want, when they listen to a podcast episode or hear a presentation, they want like, no, how did you do that? Like you said what? And then you did what? Then they want the five-step plan, right? Yeah. Which is interesting and helpful to talk about, but we sort of jump into that too too quickly.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. most meetings we go to, right? We just jump right into the agenda. Yeah. And uh, we spend a lot of time in, no, let's slow down, check in. How are you? You know, where do we, where do we line up? What are our shared values? And then we'll get to the stuff. But we'll go so much further and faster if we've developed yeah. trust in a relationship there.
0: And this is a really difficult thing to do. I mean, it's easier said than done, right? And Absolutely. I, and you see this, like, just to use some more church examples of, you know, it's easy for that leader, like an elders quorum president, be like, you know, we we want to create a ministering culture here, right? And obviously, we need to do our ministering. Everybody's assigned. And we sort of jump into, like, now go do this thing. Uh-huh. When in reality, that leader hasn't taken the time to just connect that Community, that little Elderscorn community, and be like, let's share each other's stories. Yeah. Like, where do you come from, right? Like, that's a f- crucial foundation and any leadership effort that you undertake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we just we blow by it so fast. Yeah, right. We don't take the time to do that, and so yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Focus on who am I as a leader but then listen to all the other stories. And that's where we actually begin to see people Mm -hmm. like, oh, I actually know you now in a different way than I did before.
0: Yeah. So where's the next step in in this relational leadership or like how do we begin to do this thing that is sometimes difficult?
1: Yeah. So we talk a lot about, we have to raise our level of awareness so that we act with more intentionality. Mm. So that's not rocket science, but as we become more self-aware, as we become more aware of people around us, then we can decide, is my knee-jerk reaction the right thing or do I need to slow down and, and really think? So, I think a lot of it is just about where are we being intentional to create the spaces we need to do this type of work, hmm. right? Do we need to get to the allergic quorum lesson or do we need to stop and take 20, 30, maybe the whole hour and do this work? Do we need to make the container instead of just moving through the motions
0: yeah. like so, we normally do. So, how do you increase awareness? I mean, and it seems like... Like on paper, it makes so much sense, right? But sometimes in practice, it's it's nuanced. So, how do, how do you do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think first it's self-awareness, right? It's me. Like, what do I care about? What am I good at? I mean, so many episodes and, and different tools out there, right? Maybe you want to do Finder. Maybe you want to do... Hmm. We use one called Five Dynamics. But it's, you know, how do I normally operate? And once I know that, then I can start to think, well, how do you operate, right? How does Kurt operate different than Kyle? And how do we blend that together? And story is one way to do that, but there's lots of other ways. Yeah,
0: because there are these more technical assessments, right? Yeah. And, you know, I love strength finders and there's several others that, and I'm just thinking in a church context, I mean, maybe you don't, you know, force everybody to take strength finders and then you put the results on the, on the walls. and you. But nonetheless, you know, if, if you have some type of measuring stick that way, again, just sort of see what comes to the surface, mm-hmm. whether it's super scientific or not. Yeah. So, it's a starting point, right?
1: Yeah. And it might be different like in a presidency. I might advocate that maybe we do use a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we do actually take the time because we're going to work closely together for a very long time. But in a bigger context, yeah, it can be more simple. Yeah. Right.
0: And imagine you just having, again, not jumping into the agenda too quickly, but having more of a conversation of like, how do you handle things? Like, how do you
1: prefer this meeting go? Or mm-hmm. what's a bad meeting look like to you? What's a positive one look like yeah. to you? you know? Yeah. One thing that we talk a lot about is we don't tend to understand each other's work styles, mm-hmm. right? Everybody approaches work and collaboration in a different way and people get really frustrated by that. But that's because we haven't had the conversations to start to be like, well, what do you like to do? Like, which aspects do you like to do? Do you like the budget or do you not? Or like, I get the budget. That's my thing. I'm like, I can do the budget. <laughs> you know, do you like to go out and talk to people? Does that energize you yeah. or does it deplete you? And so, even just those simple conversations of like, how do you approach your work, but do it in an intentional way? Then you start to understand, oh, I know how so-and-so operates and yeah, you can start to figure out how to work better together. Yeah. And then that you have that organizational culture that sort of lays on
0: top of everything. So, you know, you think of brand new bishop and a bishopric's so like, okay, we're supposed to have ward council and, and you naturally go into a room. Maybe it's the bishop's office. Maybe it's another one. You sit in a circle. Yeah. And maybe you just go around the room and see, you know, so there's these, we just assume there's a way to do it when in reality, you know, for me, that's not a great meeting for me to be in, but- a more casual, like if I'm out visiting people and we're having casual conversations, that actually helps me process things mm-hmm. in a little bit differently, right? So, again, assuming nothing, yeah, and trying to recognize what those cultural norms are
1: just on how we do things, yeah, and taking the time to check in, right? So, you're an award council, what if you get a new young women's president? Mm-hmm. Do you do any sort of like onboarding? Initiation. This is <laughs> what we do, let's you know, like, or do you just like put the cog in the wheel and keep it spinning, you know? So, yeah. I think that's the leadership part is let's say, hey, let's slow down. Let's make sure we're all good, yeah. right? We're all on the same page. We understand each other. We see each other. Yeah. And then ward council is going to go better. Yeah. right. right. We're going to understand.
0: So, just finding some way to process as far as the uh, the awareness. How can we get more self-aware? And you almost, I mean, there's always something to learn, right? And so, you can't maybe spend too much time, with awareness, but anything else you would add? Just No, I mean, you could nerd
1: out forever, right? And I think it's me, I'll take every assessment you throw at me. Your you know average person probably doesn't want to do that, but just taking some time to reflect and who am I? What do I value? What am I good at? Where are my weaknesses? Just be really in touch with that and then bring that into the leadership spaces, whether it's church or work or whatever yeah. it happens to be.
0: Any other examples come to mind? Maybe whether in your in the med-
1: healthcare world or in the church world. Well, I mean, we talk about this a lot. Healthcare is delivered by teams. Might have a physician, a nurse practitioner, a PA, a nurse, social worker, care manager, and we like to like throw everybody into a room and pretend like we're operating as a team. <laughs> and it doesn't work like that, right? Like that intentionality. But am I aware of that? Am I aware of so and so likes to work this way. Like I I learned early on when I was working with doctors, I had to figure out like what's their style? Because I'd come with a recommendation or an idea or maybe a correction of some sort and I had to figure out like how do I place that? How do I frame it? Yeah. In their style and their language so that it'll go well. And we might do that at church too, right? How do I talk to my bishop? How do I talk to my relief society president? How do I, you know, how do I work on making things better, but do it in a way that's going to resonate with that person. Yeah.
0: I'm just thinking of the individual, because there's many doctors who are all bi- our bishops, you know, the person who's like listening to this, like they feel like if I'm not, I would love to create more awareness in the team I'm working with in the word council or the presidency, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily one in charge. Yeah, And the bishop sort of has his agenda or the recite president is headed this way. And she's headed down that track full bore and there's no stopping
1: her. Right. And so what? any, any thoughts on how we do that? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've spent most of my time in what I little L leadership, right. Where you're not the one in charge. Mm-hmm. And so it is a little trickier. You have to be a little more subtle, but I, I often think it's, you know, Hey, I just learned this thing. Can I share it with you? And then maybe we could do it. Like, I feel like this is my role right now. And my calling is I have an idea, but I'm not in charge, but you know, is there a space to share that idea? And maybe it's not in the middle of board council. Maybe it's a quick hallway chat, like, Hey, maybe the word council would benefit from mm-hmm. this, or it's a little more subtle, but I feel like most people will appreciate ideas when they're presented in a way that it, it's not threatening. It's not telling someone how to do their job. It's just, Hey, I, I wonder about this. Yeah, Right. And I would do that all the time in a, in a clinical setting. Hey, I wonder, I wonder if we might try a drug like this, if the patient would, it would go better for the patient. And that's a lot better than like, hey, you're really screwing this up, and <laughs> you know you should really change how you're approaching this. So yeah, yeah, I I think we have to be a little courageous in those little leader moments, but I think we can do that, and we can find a way to be thoughtful and tactful, and right appeal to that person.
0: And yeah, I think it just takes you know just the tough conversations at times. Like if you have a leader that doesn't seem. Who quickly dismisses your feedback. Sometimes like, you know, we have a conversation. I feel like whenever I give feedback, it's dismissed. Do you want feedback from me? You just want me to go along to get along? Like, because that may not work for me. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think finding ways to have tough conversations, brave conversations. I think the other approach is go find your early adopters, Hmm. right? Who else are you noticing might be on board or, and it's not that you're ganging up right? But you're building that little coalition to say, hey, we want to do something a little different. And that's a lot harder to say no to than, you know, yep. one person just throwing out an idea.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. So, awareness, where do we go next with the relational leadership? Concept?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the genesis of of my thoughts here was, I think maybe you were doing the podcast on men
0: in oh, yeah. church. Men in elders quorum. In elders quorum.
1: And we were were talking about stories. Mm -hmm. And I I was sitting there, I was out on a walk and I was listening and I thought, well, we do a lot of work around stories, but how do you, how do you operationalize it? So my wife gives me grief all the time. She's like, you can't go around telling people that you're like the story, like (laughs) they're not going to get it, but it's, you know, there's, there's kind of simple ways to share your story. There's some frameworks you can use. And I was just thinking about the poor elders quorum president listening to the podcast, thinking, he wants me to tell stories. Yeah. It sounds like a good idea to right. build culture and connection yes, yes, and community. Yes. But like, how do I do that?
2: Or
0: they're thinking, I think we just got to get to the general conference talk, right? Yeah, like, exactly. That's, that's why right? we're here. Like, yeah, That's what the men are expecting. And you want me to have them tell stories? Like, it kind of seems weird. Cognitive right?
1: disconnect though, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure what, what they're talking about. So, my thought was to maybe share a framework we use cool. in relational leadership. Love Anything it. That's okay? Yeah. Okay. So, credit where credit's due. This uh, actually has its root in community organizing, which isn't, I think, an avenue or a arena that we spend much time in. Because that's more like a
0: political community. Yeah, yeah. right.
1: Mm-hmm. Your traditional like, you know, picket line, you know, make change. But it actually has its genesis uh, with someone named Marshall Gantz, who's a Harvard professor. Mm-hmm. And he, our work is with someone named uh, Matt Lewis. He actually has a PhD in storytelling. No way, that's a thing. Yeah, I know. He's. I'm going back to school. I think it's uh, what does he call it? It's cultural ethnography. Okay, but we like to say it's a PhD in storytelling. But we have a framework called narrative leadership, and it's uh, three parts: story of self, who am I, why am I called as a leader? A story of us: what are our shared values? What makes us a group? And then the story of now is: what's the action? What's the change? But we spent a lot of time in story of self, which is why am I called as a leader? What do I care about? How do I show up? And it has a really easy framework to it. It's challenge, choice, outcome. So what's a challenge I faced, a choice I made, and then an outcome. Love it. Which is kind of the narrative arc of most stories. Yeah. So if you think about like most movies or good books, right? It's Protagonist faces some daunting challenge, makes a difficult choice, and then you know lives happily ever after. Yeah, but it's how do we you know how do we bring that into us, right? Our own story of self.
0: Yeah, and that's because I think a lot of a lot of leaders may hear like, oh, you you should share your story, and most people are like, well, I don't really have a story, and I'm just listen. Like the stake president just asked me to do this thing, this calling, so I'm doing it. Like I'm not. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's nothing dramatic behind it, right? But to then frame it like, well, what challenges have you faced in life
1: and what choices that lead to and then where are you at now or where did mm-hmm. that lead you? Well, and if you think about it, we read ourselves into stories that way. Oh, yeah. Right? When yeah. We're the protagonists. Yeah. Right? Like when Luke Skywalker is having a problem, right? Like we are now in that. Or, we all face Darth Vader's in life. Exactly. And sometimes they're our dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the the scriptures are full of it too, right? But, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking a little bit about this, like Nephi, go get the plates. Oh, Laban won't give you the plates? like. That's a problem. Yeah, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try again. And then, you know, the outcome. And we just see it over and over again in the scriptures. And so, it just provides, I like to think it's a pretty simple way for us to just try it out, you know? And mm-hmm. okay, what's the challenge I faced in my life? What choice did I make because of it? And then what happened? Yeah. It works pretty well.
0: So, don't let me take you too far in your outline here. But so, what does this look like in practice? Like you're gathering maybe an elders quorum together and saying... Everybody think of a challenge and share it with your neighbor or like
1: yeah i anything. think this is kind of awkward if you just try and like leap into it so you do have to lay the groundwork just a little bit and i don't think you always have to like lay out the framework and it's very countercultural like you said everyone's going to show up and they're going to be like so what's the lesson mm-hmm. and you're like we've actually thrown the lesson out today and we're going to tell stories like that is not going yeah. to it's going to feel funny and this right? is the
0: this is a tough thing and it's not just with this concept, but just in general, we've trained our culture that when you go to church, like when I walk into a Sunday school class, I'm sort of trained to be in a beta state where I'm just like, I'm going to passively listen. Maybe I'll share a comment, yeah. but my default state is beta.
1: It's like uh, receive. You know,
0: rather I'm, than I'm, being like an alpha, like, oh, hey, I'm going to be involved here. And so whether it's a leader, a teacher, they have to coax them out of that state, that passive state and say, no, this is a different experience and it's everybody's going to be safe, you yeah. know. Yeah. Walk with me here as we do this, right?
1: Yeah. And I often will just give people the warning, like, warning, something different is about to uh-huh. happen. Like, I think about <laughs> national conferences, and most people like pull out their laptop and they're kind of passively listening. Uh-huh. I usually start my talks of like, just so you know, you're not going to be able to do that today. Like, mm-hmm. today it's going to be active. We're going to ask you to do something. You're going to be a little uncomfortable, right? We're going to try and stretch you just a little bit. And that at least puts everyone's, you know, like their signals go up. They start paying attention. And so I think, when you're thinking about culture change, and I was pondering on this as I was listening, you do have to stick with it. You have to just plan that it's going to be awkward. Mm-hmm. You'll probably fumble once or twice, and it's going to require just a little bit of persistence to make sure it happens.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Where do we go next? Well, we could talk
1: specifically around a little more around the framework or-
0: Yeah. yeah. So, with the, well, let me ask with these narratives, or that is you're, you're teasing out everybody's story. Is this something that should be like 30-minute activity? Obviously, there's
1: different ways to do it maybe, but... Yeah, Yeah. maybe some basic principles, right? When we do this, it's generally a two to three-minute story. And we do that because one, people aren't going to pay attention for very long. Mm -hmm. Two, it encourages you to actually like get to the point. And usually these stories are like a snapshot, like it's a moment in time. It's not, oh, then I did this and two years later I did this and, you know, like... We're not given the history We're we're trying to pull people into a moment that was important for us. And I like to to kind of right size it. It's not, you know, Matt will always say it's not big C challenge always. It doesn't have to be like your deepest, darkest, biggest challenge you've ever faced because the setting might not be right for that. There might not be enough safety in an elders quorum or a leaf society to have everybody just like dive into their deepest moments. But what's a little C? What Mm. was like a little thing that was hard? And go there, and so as people are thinking, you know, what can I share? It can be really simple. It Can be something that was a little tricky, but you you made your way through it.
0: Yeah, and, and there's so many opportunities. Maybe frame it a certain way of like take a lot of the people back to their mission, or as yeah. as being a youth in the church. Like when when was that moment? Because you're wa- you're wanting a moment. You're not wanting. Yeah, life was tough in the first six months of my mission. Like, no, no, what
1: was the moment that was tough? Yeah. You know, where were you? What was the setup? Yeah. Or- and the big part is, is you know, story is a way that we share our values without telling people what we value. Because you might sit down and say, you know, I value hard work and family and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, and people are like, okay. Yeah, who great, doesn't? Whatever, <laughs> you're right. But when you tell a story and you say, let me tell you about the time that I struggle as a dad. Mm-hmm and what I did, and what happened. All of a sudden, all those values come out, but they do it in in just a more powerful way. And what ends up happening is we end up connecting on those shared values. Mm-hmm. So as we're sitting, you know, listening to somebody else tell their story, we're again, writing ourselves into their story, but it's someone we know. And now all of a sudden we're, we're developing a connection and that starts to build that community yeah. of people together. And that's the powerful moment mm-hmm. when we connect on shared values.
0: So this may be just a few minutes where you're each sharing some stories a moment, a story in your life. How do we transition this from story of self to story of us? So, it becomes like, not only am I benefited from hearing your story and sharing my
1: story, but we're like more united. And maybe that just happens organically. I mean, I think that's hopefully mm-hmm. one of the outcomes, mm-hmm. right? Is after a while, someone might be like, hey, I, I listened to so-and-so share their story and that made a difference for me. And I felt like I connected and it's sort of like a web of you just start to connect everyone. Mm-hmm. And then you have that shared story. Now you've got a quorum or a class or a presidency that is aligned together because they understand where everybody's coming from. Yeah. And I think sometimes people are going to be like, do I have to like tell them about this challenge choice outcome thing? Like that feels kind of intimidating. I think me as a teacher, I go to the default, like let me give you the framework and teach you the didactic. And But as an elders quorum president, that's going to be hard. So I, I did come up with a few questions that... I think get it challenge choice outcome, but they're a little more subtle. Okay. So for example, on our team professionally, when we would get a new member of our pharmacy team, we would take some time and I would just give people the prompt. Now tell me about a childhood experience you had that helped you become the person you are today. And there's a little bit of intention there. It's childhood experience is immediately gonna go a little vulnerable, something we don't normally talk about, but the helped make you who you are today gives it sort of a hopeful spin. Mm. Because what we don't want to do is sit there and kind of like, it's not therapy, right? We're not all, you know, just unloading on each other. So, that was one. Another one was around, how did you receive your testimony of the gospel? Mm. I think in there, you're going to find challenge choice outcome, right? Like, oh, I wasn't sure about something. And then I wrestled with it and prayed about it. and, And here's what happened. Or, you know, what was a challenge or trial you've experienced that strengthened your faith? Again, the challenge is going to be a little vulnerable, but the strength in your faith gives it a hopeful ending. So I think you could come up with any number of questions. If you're in a YSA ward, if you're in a family ward, if you're, you know, depending on the setting, you might craft a question. But how do you get someone to open that vulnerability door just a little bit Mm -hmm. and provide kind of that positive, hopeful outcome? Right. It doesn't always have to be that way, but I I just find if you get too much negative outcome, that you're going to kind of lose the the purpose. Gotcha. It's kind of like going cool. to a movie with a bad ending. Yeah. Right. We don't tend to, those aren't the yeah. popular ones. So the
0: way you're setting it up is, is you're making sure that there's there's hope in the, the story, yeah. right? That like, how did that help you in life, right? Yep. Or whatever. Yeah. Help you become where you're at, strengthen
1: your faith, whatever happens mm-hmm. to me. Gotcha.
0: Anything else as far as that story of us? Uh, I'm just thinking, I, I see this organically, the more iterations you do of this, you know, um, the more it's going to unify that group. And and suddenly this
1: identity of that group
0: is much more clear.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. And there is, you know, there is some tactic around this, right? And you could try and get up and share a story of us, right? You could try and note the shared values that you found. And maybe a leader does. It's a little bit storytelling 2.0. The self mm-hmm. is the easy part. Yeah. The us is I have to make some assumptions or I need to draw on the experiences we've had together. So, you could have a story of us, which which was, you know, remember the time that we all showed up after so-and-so's basement flooded Mm -hmm. and we all sat there and we slung mud and we threw stuff in the dumpster and like, that was a little bit of an us moment and, you know, you could share that. But I do think the feeling of us is what starts to come after we we build those connections.
0: And I'm just thinking like, if there's in that transition of the story of us, if it feels a little empty... Maybe there hasn't been a lot of those stories of, you know, we've actually never gathered together or we've never done that service yeah. thing or, but now that we know each other, maybe we can go do something. Yep. And the next time we reunite, we'll have a, a deeper, more dynamic story of us because we did go do that service assignment yeah. or we did went, you know, on that shooting activity or whatever it is yeah. that those, uh, the story of us become, you can
1: write that story mm-hmm. in real time. I mean, you could think about doing this a couple different ways. like you could take your whole Relief Society hour and you could break people into groups of four or five and give everybody that two or three minutes to share a story. And I can almost guarantee that what happens in that small group is going to be pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. A little mini story of us is going to develop. Or maybe you do that once and then if people weren't around, maybe somebody takes five minutes at the beginning of a lesson and they get their chance to share their story. Yeah. But you stick with that long enough, you do that a few times, that's when you're going to start to feel right? The glue because every time, every time we do a session on story and people are able to share together, there's a little bit of secret sauce that happens in there. Right. And it's totally organic, right? You're not forcing it. It's whatever the group is bringing into the room, but you know, safety goes up a little bit, trust goes up a little bit. And now you've got four or five people who feel connected to each other. Yeah. Maybe it's even a training session, training your ministers, right? Like think about story. How do you weave story into your ministering visit? how do you share who you are how do you kind of tease out that other person and it's it's in a genuine and caring way yeah so i think there's a lot of little applications it doesn't have to just be like a workshop but mm-hmm. how do i weave these principles in and start to build that trust with other people and i'm just thinking
0: you know again as as you do this more and more by the sixth time you do this suddenly when you do get to the conference talk and the lesson mm-hmm. It's a, it's a different oh, experience,
1: it'd right? It'd the comments are different. Oh, the, yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, and because I think most elder quorums, I mean, I don't hear a lot of people rave about like, oh, I just love my elder quorum lesson, right? And bless their hearts, I know people are trying, I don't want to diminish the efforts that are there. But sometimes you're just like, I just don't know why this isn't clicking. Like, yeah. yeah, we got some comments happening. It's the same five people that comment. We do our thing, we go home. I guess we'll do it again next time. But again, you're sort of fostering this this fire Mm -hmm. And uh, suddenly it's like, wow, like those three comments, that was like a moment for this core, you know?
1: And I think what you're getting at is this does happen every once in a while, Mm -hmm. right? Somebody will actually raise their hand and say, let me tell you about, you know, this challenging thing going on. And it's usually based on the lesson and it does change the mood, right? Mm -hmm. The whole feeling Mm -hmm. in the room changes. What if we did that on purpose, Mm -hmm. right? What if we started with that instead of hoping that maybe it happens for five minutes at some point during the lesson?
0: Yeah. And you know, obviously, this is <laughs> there's this general resistance to the term, all right, everybody turn to your neighbor, or let's get in groups. Like people are like, ah, oh, come on, like I don't want to do that. I don't it's something in our nature as humans. We hate mm-hmm. to get in groups, and again, we want to be in a passive state. Just give us the lesson and we well, anyway. So, but it sounds like I mean this this is a crucial part, is you're not I can just see maybe an elders quorum president or really side president stand up with the group and be like, Who wants to tell a story? Right? Maybe that. It happens every once in a while, but this is a small group activity, right?
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know. Or a pair of you people. stand up and say, We're gonna do something different. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna get together. And the goal here is for us to really get to know each other on a deeper level. Yeah. Now you've set the stage. They're gonna have to come out of beta, and that's okay, right? They've they've now been been alerted to that. I also think we're just so used to kind of doing stuff in the head, right? The logic. I should do this. This is my duty. This is what the handbook says. Mm-hmm. But we don't spend enough time engaging the heart. Like, And stories are and the and way brilliant. that we engage the heart. Yeah. Right? We get a little emotion. If I you know, harness my Matt Lewis here, who would give me the evidence behind this. There's actually... So, there was a study done. And I'm going to get nerdy for a second. Love it. That's what myself, we do here, right? Kyle. You got on. the nerdy professor going on here. Um, <laughs> that they studied people with damaged amygdalas. It's a part of the brain. (laughs) It's part of the brain. Yep. Anatomy here, right? It's the emotional processing center of the brain. Mm. Okay. And so, what they were trying to see is like, what was the deficit? And what was fascinating is they could still reason, right? One plus one still equal two. A cow was a cow, but they couldn't make decisions. They were sort of in this kind of paralyzed state. So, we often say like, don't make emotional decisions, but it turns out that actually all we're doing is making emotional decisions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so when you get to the, and if you think about the last piece of that is the story of now, which is the the call to action, right? Think about how often we lead with the call to action, which is like, you should go out and do your ministry. You should show up for this activity. You should, right? We've skipped all the parts before. We haven't actually engaged the heart, that emotion, that decision making center. You know, once you get some of that going, then all of a sudden when somebody needs help, it's not like, oh, so and so down the street, it's the person I sat with and heard about yes. their challenge and their life. Yes. And it's a whole different story.
0: Okay. So, you're going to love this. So, I found there's this guy that does this YouTube channel. It's very well done. It's sort of the leading saints of the evangelical world. Yeah. And he'll give like tips and tricks online, right? Like, and he gave the, had this video. I shared it in the leading saints community, which everybody should be a part of and join and continue the conversation going. So, I posted in there. But he did this video about how to give announcements in church. I mean, something Hmm. so basic. You think, what I just give the announcement, right? And he said, you will have a much higher rate of people internalizing and remembering it if you embed the announcement in a story. So he'll say something like, I remember last chili cookout, Brother Jones, you had that hot chili, right? And I remember I had to bring some extra water to, you know, you're telling the story about what happened to the last chili cook-off. And just so you know, we're having that this this Saturday, it's at this time, right? And so, I thought, what a genius way to do announcements is figure out how to embed the announcement in a story because our brains turn on. It activates that emotional part of our brain. So, we lean in rather than chili cook-off Saturday, six. Thank you. Moving on.
1: And, you know, second nerdy data point there is they've done imaging studies, and as people hear stories, the brain lights up. Oh, yeah. What's fascinating is the story ends and the brain stays lit, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's a little bit of the science behind that. See. People are going to hold on to what they felt and you might get that announcement to be more effective, right? Cool. You might get that call to yeah. come and help or do this or do that. Yeah. Be more effective that way.
0: Uh, Another thing, and of course, I'm a genius leader. What can I say? No, I can give you my own example of a of a good tactic. But when I was a high leader long ago, one thing I did, it was home teaching back then, but I brought in a handful of sisters from the Relief Society who I knew had had very positive experiences with home teaching or mm. ministering. Mm. And I just had them tell their story about yeah. what that meant to them. And, and you know, you're, I'm, I was trying to humanize what we're trying to do, right? That And for them to hear that, that's going to activate something different rather than a good solid guilt trip. And, yeah. you know, you better get get on board because yeah. the prophet asked us to. Yeah,
1: right? And that's all in the head, right? Yes, yes. And the stories, right? And seeing what impact mm-hmm. it can have. Yeah. That's all in the heart.
0: And, you know, talking about this head and heart dynamic, I think we we fall in this trap a little bit where there's such an emphasis on teaching doctrine, which I totally get. I'm fully behind doctrine is powerful. But if we do it in a way where, where we're just sort of talking about facts, right? Like, or doctrine as if they're facts. Well, we obviously know that this scripture says this and that. And here's a quote by Elder Gong, and he said this, but it, it, we have to help them. Internalize the doctrine through story. Like what does this actually mean for yeah. you? When did this doctrine actually show up in your life? Yeah, the application of the doctrine yes. through yeah. story.
1: Re- they yeah. really important. Actually, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, I went to a, a public speaking course and they talked about when you're prepping, right, get your one big idea. Like if there's one thing I'm going to get across, mm-hmm. like this is it. What's the story that goes along with it? And then what's the like how to yes. associated with it? Yes. If you wow. think that, man, if we framed our lessons, if we framed our church talks that way, just want to get this one point across. This is what it meant to me through this story. And here's what you can do with it. It would be much more powerful yes. lessons and talks.
0: Yeah, and the narrative is so powerful in yeah.
1: those in those talks, you know. Yeah. And we can do this. Like, we're more natural at this than we give ourselves credit for. It's true. But a little bit of framing, a little bit of technique, right? People like, you know, don't skip the details. One thing we always talk about is engage the senses. Like what was going on? What did you see? What did you smell? What did you feel as we're trying to like transport people into that moment? So, this is a little bit of craft, Mm -hmm. right? But the more we practice it and we're a little intentional about trying these techniques, then our stories start to get better and better over time.
0: Yeah. I'll just reference this. So, it's in the show notes and people can, if they want to dive deeper. I did an interview with Matthew Dix, not a Latter-day Saint, but a professional storyteller. And uh, the, his tactics, I I still use them. Just so, mm-hmm. again, like creating the, we don't just tell a story like, oh, this one time I'm on my mission and we talked to this person. But it's like, when you start saying, I was on my mission in Puerto Rico and it was a really hot time of the year and it was raining. And suddenly you're like, we're like we're hypnotized. Yeah, we, we're in bring, that moment. We're bringing them, right. them into it. Yeah. And it's, it's a different experience than just getting to the point of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anything else that, needs to touch on as far as taking. it. So, he's talked about the story of self, the story of us, and then the story of now. Like, help us understand that.
1: Yeah. The last piece, if you think about this as a, you know, I've shared my story. Who am I? Story of self. I hope that that's resonated with Mm -hmm. the group when we share those values that they've heard. The story of now is really, it's a call to action. And you frame the nightmare if we don't act And the hope, if we do, Mm. and that sounds really dramatic. And if you think about,
0: and almost manipulative, if you use a wrong, yeah, one hundred
1: percent, we can get there. Yeah, we can talk about that too in a second. All tools can be used to manipulate, but you know, if you think about the world of community organizing, those calls to action were a big deal. There was a nightmare going on, but nobody's going to follow a nightmare, right? We only follow leaders who have a hopeful, optimistic vision of the future. Mm -hmm. So again, in church context, this might be a little more subtle, but You know, if we don't do something, what's going to happen, right? If we don't get the youth to the event, if we don't keep coming back to ministering, right? If we don't do our ministering, so you kind of drop that, but then you give the contrast of, but if we do something, if we decide to show up, if we decide to operate differently, here's what's going to happen. Here's the positive outcome that's on the end of that. Mm -hmm. So, don't try self us now all at once, right? That's 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. I'd say play around in the self sandbox. Right, working on getting people just telling their stories of self. Give that some time, let that marinate, and then we can talk about us. And then, if you you know, really want to get into it, that that story of now.
0: Yeah, and I think just giving permission. You know, I'm sort of witnessing this, and this is a tough situation, and it causes me to ponder because I'm, I just constantly am thinking leadership. That's why I'm this guy. So, (laughs) but. I'm in a ward. It's a, a newer ward. It's in a very developing area, so lots of new people moving in. And I just sit in elders' quorum, and a part of me feels like, who, oh, like this is a really like we want to get to the lesson, but you know, I see the elders' quorum presence, presidency struggling sometimes with how do we just get this group going, you know? And, and so I appreciate that just to, to give yourself permission to sort of slowly warm up the group, right? That Because there's such this pressure of like, all right, I'm going to get to, here's a few announcements. Uh, Brother John, you got the lesson, right? Let's go. But just to be like, you know, we're actually going to tell stories for a few minutes Mm -hmm. and we're going to do it a lot. And and, uh, part of me, I think some of these would be like, but then we're doing it wrong, right? Then, But it's like, no, no, like you're doing it right because you're warming them
1: up to a place where you can do it really right. Yeah. And it makes me think like someone new moves in, give them five minutes. Yeah. Ask them to come in and like, Really tell us who you are. Don't give us the quick like, anybody anybody, and, you know, I've got this so many kids. That's what I do. And then you sit down. It's like, no, no, no. Tell us like, you know, tell us who you are. and Yeah. Like well, what's the story? Yeah. What you're working on. Not just on? like what, what are the facts, right? Yeah. What matters to you? Yeah. You know, and that's powerful. You know, that would be one way in that kind of ward mm-hmm. to bring that in.
0: And I'm another that's proponent. This is actually, I'm starting this up in my current ward. I've done another ward is a ward podcast where I meet with people just in this like this type of setting and. I just interview him. Like, so tell me about your faith development. Like, yeah. where'd you go on your mission? What yeah. was the experience like when you got your mission call yeah. to Sacramento, California? Were you disappointed? Because I was sort of disappointed when I went, got called to Sacramento, California. So, and then sort of you have this library of stories. Then when people see, like, okay, oh hey, I listened to your story this week. And you're like, oh, he kind of knows yeah. me. The hallway right?
1: chatter would be exactly, it would be way yeah. different.
0: Yeah. And so I think the goal, like the story of now is more like this goal. it's not like this thing you do as much as like a state of the community of like, we are now in a story together because we know each other. We see each other. Like we are, we're a community. We're not just here because they drew the geographic lines around our neighborhood and said, told us what time church was at, which uh, unfortunately where a lot of people
1: are. And then the calls to action will actually get heated. Mm -hmm. So what if you were a new leader called and you said, you know what? I'm not going to push an agenda, right? I'm going to build a community. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just start with community. I'm going to start with, making sure we understand each other. And what's funny is you don't even have to be a new leader to do this. We have people that we do these workshops with that have worked together for a decade. And we'll do story sessions and they'll be like, I learned more about that person in the two to three minute story that they shared than I ever learned in the decade working together. Because mm-hmm. we move past the surface and we start to dive in to real stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you think about you you keep doing that, you keep getting people talking about real stuff, then you know when people are checking in in the hall it's a better interaction Yeah. when they're, you know, asking to come and visit people in their home as part of a ministering visit, the likelihood of acceptance of that is gonna go up because we've already had good, deep, yeah. meaningful, right, conversations. Yeah. So I don't want people to think of this as a tactic. If it's right. a tactic, it's gonna fail. It's gotta come from a genuine place of like, I do care, I do wanna hear, I do wanna kind of build that that sense of community. Cause if you try it and it's not authentic, It's going to come across. It probably does damage. Yeah, right. Versus building, it's a foundation that we're building here. It's not
0: like we're going to do stories every time we're in Elder's Quorum forever. But you have to build that foundation, and then you can do the ministering. Mm -hmm. Then you can come together and do something special. In that, I just think I'm just thinking out loud here. Is that I think that's the the default position that most wards are in is that we are built on a foundation of behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. That which behaviors are good. I love commandments. love, But when, it's that, when that's your foundation, there's just no connection there. And then leaders sometimes drive themselves crazy. We're like, man, I can't. I told them, you know, I get the emails. I I, I keep telling this ministering, how hard is it to minister? Just yeah. call the people. Yeah. Go sit in their home every once in a while or talk to them in the hall or text them. Like, how hard is this? Because yeah. you have a foundation of behaviors and that it will not propel
1: an organization forward like that connection that stories mm-hmm. really do. I think there's an overlap here. I I spent a lot of time in the Arbinger content. Oh, love Arbinger. Right? Yes. Seeing people as people versus people as objects. Stories have a way of like immediately helping us see people as people.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Right? They're not a ministering assignment. They're not another member of my ward, right? That sort of object. It's, that's a person. Mm -hmm. Right? And, you know, in, in their model, right? You have results which are driven by behaviors, which are driven by mindsets. We get that mindset, right? Like these are people. These are people that matter. Then all that behavior stuff. Gets better, yeah, right, and then the results that we're looking for start to happen. So it's one way I found that we can humanize each other pretty yes. quickly by telling a story.
2: Love it,
0: love it. Anything we're missing in the story itself? Us now, the challenge,
1: the choice, the outcome covered it pretty well. No, I, I just hope we've made it doable. Yeah, right. I hope as people are listening, it's it's like this is there's a way to get this in there, and it doesn't have to be so daunting. Hopefully, okay. we've brought down the the activation energy needed to try and and play with this. And we always tell people it's like riding a bike. Right? Maybe don't start it in Elders Quorum, start it in your presidency meeting. Hmm. Right? Maybe don't, you know, you don't have to make the first performance in front of the whole the whole band, right? The whole <laughs> the whole audience. Find ways to try it yourself. Find ways to do it in a smaller setting. And then when you're like, "Oh, okay, like I got my story or I've spent some time thinking about this," then yeah. try it on the big stage.
0: Yeah. And I'm just saying, I mean, we're talking a lot in the context of, you know, the church meeting or the elders' quorum, police society experience every other week, in the second hour. But, you know, even inviting a handful of men over to your house, I yeah. do this a lot, right? Yeah. And just to, and you're just casually talking, it's so much easier. It's almost a safer venue to be like, so tell me, like, why are you a lawyer? Yeah. And what's that journey like? You know, and mm-hmm. what choices did you make, right? Like, what yeah. challenges you face, right? I think in that more casual setting, And you could even stimulate that as as an elders quorum, right? There's no, there's so many ways to do this, right? Mm
1: -hmm. And if you want to just flip it, I've been telling you the the broadcast mode, Mm -hmm. but there's, you flip it and you get into receiver mode, which is how do I get stories out of other people? Mm -hmm. And honestly, if you just sit there and you ask people why, not in like an interview way or a like, oh, you're a lawyer. Like, why did you decide to do that? Like, oh, you went to school at, you know, Penn State. Like, how in the world did you (laughs) make that choice, right? It's active listening, but it's really just asking people why, and you'll be amazed—you'll get challenge, choice, outcome, mm-hmm. story of self brought back to you. So, as a leader, that can be a really helpful skill. Like little L at around the campfire at your house, or right. big L in relief society or, or elder squawm. Cool,
0: love it. Any other principle,
1: concept, thing we missed? Did We do it all. I guess my only question is: Do we want to try an example? Of course. Or do we not? You know, try I love like, some good examples. Make this-, this is. Make this real. And this always happens and to me as, as the host. So. Do you want to do one or do you want me to do one? Uh, you Maybe you start. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. I came prepared for that answer. <laughs> good, uh, good. Just in case. So, maybe we'll even hit the clock and just show that like... It's possible. Know, we can do the, this okay. in two to three
0: minutes. Um, and do you set a clock? Like would you bring a clock timer thing in Elder Scrolls <sighs> or... This would be up for debate. Okay. Read the room a little bit.
1: In a professional context, we always set a timer. Be, and We ask someone and now it's nice because you can set your phone and it can go off and you don't have to be the one that like yeah, yeah. cuts off story. And you'll always be the bad guy, right? When you cut off and because the conversation yeah. will be rich. Someone um, just started to cry about this story. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I think if you set up in the beginning that you're going to do that, that'll be fine. Yes. The one plus to doing it is you make sure everybody gets a chance. Mm-hmm. Like if you only have 25 minutes and you don't give people a boundary, yeah, then two people will go and the other three will miss out on the opportunity. So you do play a little bit of bad guy in order to foster an environment where everybody gets a chance to share. Love it. Because we know people wax long. Yes. Right? You give people the mic and... We can turn very verbose on people. Case in point, right? You're getting me waxing (laughs) long here. So yeah, so I'll give this a try and uh, I'll go into my story. I'm going to give... I actually woke up this morning shifting my story. I'm going to give the the mission story and experience on my mission and then maybe we could unpack it and show people... Yeah. The principles. And this
0: is just another, I mean, everybody's got a mission story or
1: or two or a yeah. thousand. Like yeah. it's such an easy place to start. Yeah, anyways. absolutely. So, I went on my mission to Mexico and in my first area, I my companion slept until 10 a.m. every single morning. This <laughs> is my trainer? trainer. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so, I get there, I'm all jazzed, like fresh out of the MTC and he's in bed. Small side note, I actually tried to like pull him out of bed once, right? By his ankles and it, it didn't work super well. But I decided that like, well, he's going to sleep. I didn't come here to like sleep till 10 and I want to do stuff. But I just decided that every morning I would sit down and I'd put on my fleece jacket and kind of this chilly brick apartment and I was just going to read. I was going to read everything. So, like I devoured the entire mission library because <laughs> you think about this, right? Three months of two and a half hours every morning to read.
0: That's, I mean, you like, already get a significant amount of study time, but yeah, that is exactly right. I read more. my grammar
1: book, right? You know, like, <laughs> um, I read Jesus the Christ, but in, in those two and a half hours, making that choice to just study, I read, you know, the Book of Mormon in English and in Spanish, you know, in Jesus the Christ, our search for happiness. Like in that, those two and a half hours, you know, I found the Savior, right? I found, I had a testimony, but it, You know, I just had these moments where I was gaining inside, and I was I was sort of lost for those couple hours, just strengthening my testimony. And then a couple weeks after I got a new companion, after this three months, I woke up one morning. I thought, it's zone conference today. Somebody would always give a talk. They'd be just randomly called to give a talk in zone conference. And I thought, I'm gonna get called today. Like I know this is gonna happen. And so I quickly kind of like put a little talk together. You know, three three and a half months into my mission. And get his own conference and sure enough, right, we're all in there huddled, it's it's loud and you know, Elder Turner, we're going to give our talk today. And I went up there and gave a talk. I couldn't tell you what it was about, couldn't tell you anything about it. It seemed to go well, but everybody afterwards was like, oh, that was really great. And you know, like the language must be coming along, whatever. And and I sat there and thought, I didn't think much of it, but in that decision to still study and not only did I find my testimony and my relationship with the Savior, but all of a sudden. Reading that grammar book must have paid off because I was able to to capture the language. And I just realized like God honors our obedience, right? He's willing to give us blessings when we choose to be obedient to Him. Love it.
0: There you go. The end. Yeah, I mean, there's all the, the credits. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have
1: no idea how long that went. It had to be close, right? Okay. To, to two or three minutes. But- all right. One of my least favorite things to do is to debrief my own story, but maybe we can just debrief a little bit.
0: You recommend a debrief after
1: each story or after everybody's story? When we do it as a training, Mm -hmm. we do a debrief. Okay. I don't know that I would debrief like the principles of challenge, choice, outcome. Okay. So, what are you debriefing then? What's
0: the guidance Um, there?
1: You know, we just ask people, you know, somebody shared a story. Let's talk about where did you hear a challenge? Where did you hear a choice? Where did you hear an outcome? And that helps the whoever was giving it like, Oh, I actually... I didn't get to an outcome. Thanks for, hmm. you know, a little bit of feedback there. One question I always ask people is just, you know, what values did you hear there? So, maybe as I shared that story, what did you hear? What kind of values did you hear in my story?
0: Like the thing that came to mind is that you, like that situation could have gone so negative, like just been a frustration. I got this, here I am trying to do missionary work and, you know, I've got a lazy companion and mm-hmm. he, he's not doing it right. And, but instead you... Just saw that as a sacred time to be like you know I'm, I'm gonna double down into some really helpful content that can bless my life and like learn more about Christ and yeah. be a better missionary and be ready to teach the gospel like he did in own Conference. Right?
1: Any of those values yeah. resonate for you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to be more like that type of person who's not looking for reasons that, or you know excuses why things aren't going well, but I can turn situations into a positive always. Yeah. You know, I I have examples of that and.
1: Examples where I kind of fell short there, yeah. So. And you could see how we could start actually a dialogue. Oh, yeah. Right, like, oh, I shared a story. Like, oh, let me let me tell you about the time that that happened for me. Right. Or like, you know, so you can see where it would start to to roll. The other things we talk about are, you know, was there a moment where you were in that story with me? Yeah, like, I mean, was there a visual that we were like? Oh, I can. I, I mean, I'm, I'm there.
0: I was seeing you in my missionary apartments. You know, and that wasn't Mexico, but but you know, yeah, it was easy to. To envision what this may look like and, yeah. how, and how it felt. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, those are just some of the things that we unpack when someone's trying to learn this as a leader and taking it, you know, yeah. at a workshop, trying to enhance their leadership yeah. skills, trying to help them get some coaching Yeah. This that.
0: is really helpful because that debrief sort of takes another level because there is, there is benefit in just you just saying a story, I'll say a story and wow, you know, that's cool. I've learned something about you. You seem like a good guy and we're good. But to then have a dialogue about the principles and the, mm-hmm. the values in the story just takes it
1: that step further. Now
0: we're that much more connected.
1: Yeah. And what you might do if you were doing this in a class, you might do a debrief less about the, because you probably didn't present the challenge choice outcome or the, the principles behind good storytelling. But you might say, what did it feel like to tell your story in this setting? What did it feel like to hear somebody else's story? What yeah. happened? And like that kind of debrief. That gets to your story of us all of a sudden, yeah. right? Because you're hearing from those groups, like, this is what I heard from somebody. This is what I felt as I shared my story. That might be a valuable debrief.
0: Yeah. That often use that question, you know, uh, what was that like? You know, it's so mm-hmm. simple. Super or what, simple. What did that feel like? Yeah. You know? And again, um, we're engaging the heart.
2: Yeah. Right? Like,
1: what did you feel? What was it like for you? What did you experience as you were doing that?
0: And you're also revealing the story of us with those questions of like, what was that like telling your story in this setting? You know, were you scared? Did, were, were you comfortable? And that sort of reveals something about us and what we're moving past and hopefully making better. Yep. You know, absolutely. So, cool. Yep. All right. Is it my turn? Tell a story? Uh, yeah, you want to do it? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, absolutely. I feel like yeah. I want to be right for you yeah. to just tell a story. Yeah. So, and I, you got to go to the mission. I mean, this is, and this is, that's maybe a theme you, you go with it. We're talking about sure. missions and whatever. And the, your sleeping story triggered a, a story in my mind. And that's another benefit of telling stories is uh, I had a companion near the end of my mission. We, we were companions twice, actually. His name mm-hmm. is Scott Saunders. I'm very clearly calling him out on the podcast. <laughs> Love the kid. He's he's available, ladies, just saying. Um, from Virginia. And he had narcolepsy. So, oh, wow. you, you know, he would fall asleep all the time. And we, we were Spanish missionaries in California, so we had a car. My whole mission, I had a car. And the mission rule, I think the handbook rule is that companion has to stay awake when you're driving, <laughs> sure. right? And so I would typically be driving and I would always be nudging him. And he was always just sort of on the verge of falling asleep. And he had medication, which you could tell us all about. but, um, And I remember there was this moment he came to me. And because he just, he wanted so desperately to be obedient and you want to be a good missionary. And he came to me and he handed me this spray bottle and he's like, Elder Frankum, please, I know it's going to be difficult, but every morning you've got to spray me in the face until I wake up. Because no, <laughs> awesome. I just want to, I want to get up. I want to get with it. Because once I'm awake, I'm, I should be good.
2: Yeah.
0: And so we have such a, I was just talked to him a few, few weeks ago and we have just such a special relationship of. Of coming together as companionship, of helping one another. Like, I will help you be obedient. Will you help me be obedient? And that was such an effective companionship that I cherish because, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. To, and I couldn't help but laugh as I was spraying him in the face every morning with a spray bottle. It creates a special bond. Yes. Right? When yeah, you spray sure. someone in the face so, every morning. Yeah. There's my story. Yeah. What, was that is that a good story? Fantastic.
1: That, did I do it wrong? I, uh, <laughs> no, no, no. It was great. It's great. <laughs> you um, can't mess this up. It's hard to mess this it's up. It's hard to mess this yes. up. Yes. I think the only way it doesn't go well is when you just start to tell like someone else's story. Mm-hmm. Like in healthcare, we do this all the time. Like, let me tell you about this patient's story. Yes. like, no, 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 no. This is, I heard some
0: therapists frame it like speaking from the eye, Uh right? yep And this is one thing I hit with the word podcast is like, I don't want to come to your house and learn about how awesome your grandfather was because that's family
1: history. No, no, no. I want to talk about you. Yeah, exactly. So, Mm -hmm. what, do you feel like you had a challenge in that? What was the challenge for you in that story?
0: Now you got me. Was there a challenge? I mean, just the challenge of doing like supporting a relationship Mm -hmm. that we're asked. I mean, that's why we're in companionships, right? This is. To find support and to be the type of missionary we want to be. So uh, it wasn't much of a challenge for me that so like maybe I told someone else's story. But nonetheless, uh-huh. I had that.
1: Because you were there, right? That's yeah, absolutely yeah. your story. Yeah, okay. I heard lots of choices, right? Yes. I like the spray bottle is yes. uh, you know, or the choice to honor your companion's request. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I made that choice to mm-hmm. say, like, yes, I will help you. And then the outcome. What would you say the outcome is?
0: I mean, we it built a connection with us that we were able to help each other yeah, out. That lasts through today. Yeah, and his example of striving to be, he just wanted to be a better missionary, whatever that took, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. And so, those values, they come out, right? Mm-hmm. Care about other people. When people ask for help, I will honor it. Longitudinal relationships, yes. right? Like, can hear all of that come through in that story.
0: Love it. Yeah. Well, this is fun. Do we really cover fun. it all. I mean, we gave some examples and-
1: I'll give one last little background yeah, to this is- The idea that as humans, we are wired for connection and community, and we are always attuned to the signals that people are sending us. And so, as you think about story in that context, you say hi, you smile, like those are signals. But when you choose to tell a story, when you put yourself out there, you are signaling to the other person. This is a safe space. This Mm -hmm. is a place where we can talk about real things. You do that inside a quorum, right? those signals start to build culture. Wow. And what, you know, so as a leader, right, I should be really conscious of the signals that I'm sending. Right? Are they signals that we care, that we can be vulnerable, that we can connect with each other, or are they signals that like, I'm just here to do the job? Yeah. And story is just a way to send the right kind of signals. Yeah, in a and group I'm of people.
0: I'm just thinking like in a parent context as well. My kids love to hear about the stories, my stories, yeah. you know, of when I was a kid or when I dealt with similar things or, you know, we didn't have the streaming service or my Nintendo had a cord and I couldn't just walk around the house yeah. with it. You know, Absolutely. So. <laughs> and what
1: that does, the signals make the relationships that much yeah, stronger. That's cool. Yeah.
0: If anybody wants to like deep dive in some of these principles, I mean, is there are there certain books or resources you would recommend or send them Yeah.
1: To? I mean, you can find uh, Marshall Gantz has put out some of his, he's got a couple of white papers and different things you can look at. And you can really, if you want to geek out on self-ass now, that kind of thing, you know, these are workshops we do. All the time. So if you're a if you're a healthcare professional, then they can like hire you to come do in 10 health oh, cool. strategies. Like in, in the healthcare space, in 10 health strategies. That's the um, name of the is the nonprofit. Is the nonprofit. So okay. come in, whether it's you want to join a cohort of people or you just want to bring your team, yeah. This kind of relational leadership content, non-healthcare. Matt and I do this for in non-healthcare settings because cool. Turns out you can tell stories yeah. in all kinds of things. As long as um, humans are involved. Yeah. So you know. Can email me and we can include that uh, if people are interested. And if people wanted to try this in a church setting, what a fun experiment. Yeah. Right? To do some workshopping and different things. So uh, we could definitely do that.
0: Awesome. All right. Kyle, the last uh, question I have for you, as is, you reflect on your time as a leader. How has being a leader helped you become a better
1: follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah. Yeah, It's funny. You listen to the podcast enough, you know this question is coming. (laughs) Um, You know, every time we lead out. Big L leader, little L leader. We stand in the Savior's stead. We are there representing Him. And I feel like feeling that in leadership roles makes you want to be like Him. Makes you want to honor that role and become more like Him and lead the way that He leads. One of my favorite things to do is to look at the Savior's life and find the leadership principles that He displayed. So it's just made me want to be more like Him and to follow Him better than I do now.
0: The end. That's it for this Leading Saints episode. I encourage you to check out some of the most popular episodes of the podcast that we list at the bottom of the show notes. If you haven't listened to all of those, do so now. Remember, learn more about disclosing betrayal from Jeff Struer by visiting leadingsaintsorg 14.